0: Hello and welcome to another podcast here at Hello Dimension, it's me again, I'm your host. Firstly, I would like to apologize for not having consistent contact for the past two weeks. I picked up an extra shift at work and it's been kind of hard juggling my schedules now and trying to figure out a proper time to record versus having an extra day off between my my jobs. I work two jobs so balancing kind of gets difficult from time to time. However, even though it is a day late, I didn't want to leave you with two weeks of completely no context. So on that note, I would like to bring you to our segment for the week, which is depression due to sexual assault. Sexual assault is defined as the physical sexual activity which is engaged in without consent of the other person or when the other person is unable to consent to the activity. The activity or conduct, which may include physical force, violence, threats, or intimidation, or ignoring the basic objections from the other person, which is causing the other person due to intoxication or incapacitation through drugs or alcohol or any other way of taking advantage of a person's intoxication or any type of intoxication, even if it is voluntary intoxication. I want to dedicate this segment to sexual assault because I've had an obsession with the song Praying by Kesha, which ironically will be our song of the week. This song is about how she is able to forgive those in regards to her own sexual assault and emotional abuse that she experienced during her previous contract that she was in. So in regards to that, I wanted to give my own story about my own interaction with sexual assault. The incident occurred with a friend of mine who well at this case an ex-friend of mine we met we met online we had mutual friends and we had begun talking we had hung out a couple times we went to the movies he had come over to my house and hang out he had met my parents we kind of went back and forth for a while there was a stint when you know he liked me but didn't like him and i liked him but he didn't like me so we kind of went back and forth at that um We never seemed to be on the same page on where we wanted, but that was okay because at the end of the day, we were friends. A lot of people that I'm friends with have met him, my close friends, Uh, there's pictures of him. He took me to my senior year homecoming. He came to my graduation party. My parents asked me, they're like, are you going to invite him? Yes, I'm going to invite him. For whatever reason, my parents loved him. They thought he was a gentleman, he was great, he was polite, and, you know, they have never had any issues with him, but, you know, that's always a face, you know, how you present yourself to your friend's parents or your significant other's parents or whoever, there's always one version of yourself that's not necessarily the version of yourself that everybody else sees, but that's the person that you want to portray because you want the people, they want the people's parents to like you. We have been friends totally before things fell apart but for about four or five years. If, about five, I can't exactly remember. Um, but there were a couple red flags that occurred before our entire situation just fell apart. The first time that I had should have realized it, even though I didn't, was when he had come over to my house. I think it was the summer before I went off to college. Uh, He had come over late at night. My mother had approved. I had asked my mother first because it was her house. She stated, yeah, he can come over. You know, I like him. He's a gentleman. She never had any problems. And so it was okay with her. You know, he came over after he had finished with ROTC. And he came over and he was in his little little army uniform or whatever. And he was like, I want to hang out and watch TV. That's fine. You know, we put on a movie And there was no intention of anything else. This was not a Netflix and chill type of movie. This was like, okay, I want to sit and relax and I want to watch my freaking movie. Things, however, did not end up that way. He had started to fill me up. He had tried to push me in my mattress and his hands were on my legs. And I looked at him and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like come on you know you want to and i'm like i really don't want to like if i wanted to i'd tell you i'd want to when it can't when it comes to sexual activity i i will tell you hey i'm okay with doing this hey i'm not really okay with doing this i don't really want to nine times out of ten i don't really want to so i removed his hand and i was like yo i'm trying to watch the movie leave me alone and he continued You know, he started biting my ears and rubbing my legs again. And I'm like, yo, my mom is sleeping in the next room. Like, my room, my mother's room. The only thing that separated us was a wall, and it was very thin. I could hear her snores through the room, even with the TV on. Any interaction, she would have heard me. I'm not going to do that. No, thank you. I don't need her walking in on nothing. I don't need her knocking on my wall that's weird for me that's an interaction I don't want to have with my mother no thank you but he just wouldn't let it go he kept moving and he kept trying and he's like if you like me if you know if you if you're friends you'll do this for me and I'm like fine whatever if it'll get you to shut up what do you want you know and I gave in and then, you know, we we didn't even finish watching the movie. I was just like, I was so done and annoyed. I was just like, get out, get out, get out. And he left. Now they teach you about this kind of thing in health class. They tell you, you know, they teach you about like rape and sexual harassment. But there's something different about the realistic situations. You don't think about them while you're. In them this you don't your mind doesn't go back and go like oh this is something I experienced in health class this is something they told me about you know if you go through a b c or d this is what's gonna happen realistic situations aren't like that they're not laid out perfectly it's not like a equals b equals c realistic situations you may jump from a all the way all the way to x and your mind can't process it because you're like wait it's not going in the order it's not going in the wavelength that was presented to me so maybe this is not the situation maybe this is not the outcome of the situation however it's still all the same i was very naive at that time i was 18 at the time i didn't really i didn't really have any type of experience with sexual experience you know at 18 for me that's kind of that's kind of abnormal for people me sex wasn't everything as you may have heard in my previous podcast you know I was at this time I was still trying to figure out my sexuality I was still trying to figure out what it meant to me everybody else I knew was you know they were having sex they were into it and it was normal and for me I didn't really have that experience because I was just saying like okay it is what it is I, either it happens it happens or it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really bother me But due to social interactions, I took my interaction, which is like, oh, that's normal. You know, that was, he was just really, he was just really horny. Or he was just like, he thought I was playing hard to get. And it was just like, no, he he didn't pressure, he didn't pressure me to do it. He was just like, you know, come on, you want to, you know, you want to. And in my mind, I was just like, "Ah, do I, do I really want to? And at the time, I was second-guessing myself. I was like, did I want to or did I not want to? Or, did I, or, was I just saying, or was I just saying that because maybe I wanted his attention? Or in my head, I knew what it was. I knew I didn't want to. But I played it off because that's what my social interactions had told me. They had told me that things like this happened. You know, this is, this is how guys act. You know, some guys, it's like, guys think with their penis, but guys don't really, you know, think with their head. So I brushed it off. You know, it didn't occur to me that this was a red flag until after the situation had occurred. And I looked back and I realized that, wow, this should have been a huge red flag. There should have been something that told me, hey, you should no longer talk to this person. You should no longer be around this person. This is not okay. What he did was not Okay. But of course, that's not something I thought about until the following year. I left for college. We didn't really talk. We talked on and off. It wasn't really something I stayed consistent with. Uh, we mostly hung out when I was at home. So I had come home the following, the had come home the summer after my freshman year. I was having surgery that summer, and I wanted to hang out with my friends before I was bedridden for like weeks and I had to be laid up I had to be laid up in bed with my foot in the air um he said he wanted to hang out and I was like okay fine but we're not going to be in my house so we went for a drive now I live in the country going for a drive at night is not a regular you know we We go outside, we hop in the car, the windows are down, it's nice outside, it's summertime, the music is blaring, there's no cars on the road. It's a great feeling. However, great feelings only last so long in this situation. He decided to park the car and I'm like, okay, we're gonna sit, we're gonna talk. He didn't talk, he didn't speak. And I'm like, yo, are you gonna talk? You gonna say something? And he's just looking at me and I'm I'm like, okay, fine. So I just pull out my phone and I just start scrolling on my phone and I'm just like, what? And he, and he takes my phone and I'm like, yo, give me the fuck my phone. What the hell are you taking my phone for? He's like, you're not talking to me. I said, you're not talking to me. The fuck I'm not about to sit here and be the only one talking. So give me my phone. He took my phone and he threw it in the compartment on the side of the door and he put it there. And I was like, "Give it back!" And I told him if he wasn't gonna t- if he wasn't talk to me, then he could take me home. And I had reached over to try and grab my phone, and he pushed me back. And then he started reaching over and he started touching my leg, and I pushed him off. And I was like, "No, we're not doing this." Before before we had hung out, I had a previous conversation with him. I told him I said, "I don't want none of this shit." I said, if you're going to hang out with me, we're going to hang out. We're going to go to drive, we're going to movies, you know, we have arcades, you know, Dave and Buster's is an option. You know, we're going to do fun things. I don't want to sit here and do sexual shit with you. And he was like, okay, I understand, you know, we're not going to do it. You know, I'm sorry for what happened. If you don't feel like it, you know, I'm not going to. I said, that's fine. So I told him that. And he was like, oh, I thought you were joking. I was like, how did you think I was joking? You had a whole apology and was like, yo, you were sorry. And in that moment, I was like, oh, this is a sap. So I leaned i leaned against my car. Well, I leaned against his car, sorry. We were in his car. I leaned up against the door from the car and he pulled me over his lap. I attempted to try to retrieve my phone and he grabbed my arms, and he and he held me over his waist. He had started kissing my neck, he had his hands up my shirt and down my pants, and I tried to move. I tried to get away from him, but he had his arms around me legitly, and I was laying across his waist and I'm like, "This is not gonna work i'm a, anyone who knows me I'm a five two very petite, very skinny person. this is a big buff dude who's like he's not really tall but his arm his arms are humongous and he was an ROTC he wanted to go into the military and I had no chance I moved I tried to I had no chance and after like five ten minutes of moving and me not going anywhere and me telling him to let me go I just stopped and I closed my eyes I was just like let it end Please please stop please stop please stop And he just kept going. His hands just got further in my pants. It was like, and I was just like, oh my God, this is not happening. This is not happening. Just let me go. And eventually he stopped and he looked down at me and he wrapped, he wrapped his other arm back around me and then he put his hand in my shirt and he was like, are you enjoying this? And I'm like, no, I'm not enjoying this. Please let me go. And he was like, he looked at me and he saw something in my face and he was like, fine. So he let me go. I got, it was like, and I sat back in the car. Now, people are probably wondering why I didn't run away? Why I didn't scream? Again, reiterate, I'm in the country. We parked in some back road where there's nobody. Nobody can see me. Nobody can hear me. We are in the car. It is dark Only thing that would be hearing me is any wild animals. I was literally set up. And I thought about it afterward and I was like, this was the perfect situation. Nobody could hear me. Things could have been a lot worse than what they were and yet, they didn't. Eventually, he gave me back my phone and he dropped me off back at home. Before I got out the car, he was like, I want to show you something. I want to tell you a story and I looked at him like he completely lost his head I was like you want to sit here and let and try to tell me a story after you had did this to me are you kidding me I attempted to get out the car and he, he goes to his glove compartment and pulls out his army knife and he points it at me and he's like stay and I'm like okay and I sit back in the car and he's like I'm, he's like, I just want to tell you this story. And I'm like, and he's getting real interactive. And the knife's just like pointing at me in my face. And I'm like, I really don't want to hear this story. I'm tired. I just want to go home. You know, no incentive that, you know, I was going to say anything or any type of exchange. My face was just like, really tired. And I was just like, I just want to go home. I just want to go to bed. And, you know, I have surgery in the next couple of days and I want to relax. And he's like, You sure? And he's like pointing it like dead in my eyes, and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Just put it away, you know. In the back of my mind, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh my god, this dude is gonna stab me, and he's he's got a knife. What am I going to do? But remain calm, remain calm, you know. So we got out the car, and he walked me to the door. He said bye. I tried to go in the door, and he pulled my arm, and he looked at me, and. He started kissing me, and I'm and he started grabbing me, and I'm like, I can't push him away. I'm in yes, I'm in my house, but he has a knife in the back of his back of his pants. By the time I scream and my mother comes out of the house to figure out what uh, what's wrong, I could possibly be bleeding out on her floor. So I went with it, and I just felt utterly disgusted. And when he was done, he was like. I'll see you later and he got in the car and drove. I stayed and looked at the door until he left and I closed my door and I slid down the back of my door and I just put my hands over my face and I cried. I didn't make a sound, I didn't tell my mother, I went in my room and I tried to forget the whole situation even happened. So I ignored it, I pretended it didn't happen Weeks later, I, had, I got my surgery. I had forgotten about it. You know, I didn't really want to think about it. I didn't want to think about any effects that that was having on me. I just pretended it didn't happen. I had texted, texted the guys. I didn't want to see him again. I said, I never want to see you. You know, this can't happen. Leave me alone. I blocked him on all forms of social media. But it was hard because, you know, I was like, this dude knows where I live. He knows my parents. You know, what am I going to do? then a friend of mine had texted me he was like hey I need someone to talk to and I'm like yeah sure what's up and he told me about a different situation that had just happened with his girlfriend his girlfriend had went to go meet one of her friends and a similar situation had occurred and he was angry and he was like that's assault that's this you know he could go to jail and in my mind it was like a trigger. Like everything from the past couple of weeks that I had tried to forget was in the back of my brain is now in the front of my brain. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? He's like, that's a soul, you know, he did this to her and he did this to her. And I'm like seconds from breaking down and, he, and he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, is that really what it is? And he's like, yeah, that's what it is. And I was like, fuck and he's like why and i'm like and i explained this whole situation to him now he's one of my closer friends so in addition to being upset about his girlfriend he was he was very upset about the situation that happened to me so he was getting ready to jump in his car and make two pit stops mind you he lived states away two pit stops that where his girlfriend where his girlfriend lives and where i live and probably end up committing two murders and going to jail which I had to talk him out of. I'm like, "Yo, we're, you're not going you're you no, you're not going to jail, you're not wasting your life on this this asshole." He's just no. Between what happened to me, what happened to her, no, we're just we're just going to make sure, you know, we deal with it, we talk and whatever. My response was more concerned with her. I didn't I wasn't concerned with me because I didn't want to accept the fact what was going on with me. My focus was on somebody else. His focus was on both of us and we were focused on each other. Now, the after effects between the depression, the trauma, they tend to fluctuate. I was already questioning my sexuality. I was like, is this the reason, is like, is this going to be the reason I, you know, I don't like sex? You know, I'm not the biggest fan of it now. I don't mind any interactions, but my body does not react to it. As again, I've stated in my previous podcast. Which, if you have not read, then you can. If you're not listened to, you can go back and listen to my, my podcast. My podcast for week two. Um. But I was like, it was something in the back of my head. Like, is this the reason I am the way I am? Is this the reason when when I have any interaction, I don't, I don't respond. Is, is, I don't, I don't think about it. You know, it's something that happened in my past but is this, the re- is this the reason my body doesn't react? So it's always on the front, front of my mind at some point, thinking, you know, it's be this situation, the reason I don't feel normal at times because of how this has affected me in the end. But I remember feeling disgusted and betrayed and used, like you were posting my friend and yet here you are taking advantage of me, putting me in a position where I felt like I was in fight or flight and yet I couldn't fight. I, my fight instincts were like kicking and screaming, but my options told me, no, that's not going to work. And so I just stayed there. You know, any trust I had was shattered, especially for my male friends. I look back at it now and I... F- I know it was justified, but I felt bad for my male friends. Friends I've known, you know, six, seven years. Any trust I had in them was shattered for something they had no reason. They had nothing. They had nothing. They weren't involved. They don't even know the guy. They were not even friends with the person. And yet, looking at them, I'm like, can I trust you? Do I really know you? Are you capable of something like this? After the, after, after the incident, I went in the shower and I took, I took the, exfol- the exfoliating scrub and I just scrubbed my entire body. My neck, my face, my arms. Like My, my whole body was red and screaming, but I just couldn't stop. I, I wanted it off. I felt his hands. I felt... Everything and I wanted it to go away, but yet it was still there. At, at some point, I felt like I was going to throw up in my shower because I was like, it's not coming off. It's not coming off. There's nothing I'm doing that will make it come off. And yet, there's nothing I can do. I can't scrub away my feelings. I couldn't scrub away the fact that every time... My every time I touched a part of my body, I felt his hands on me. It made me shiver, it made my skin crawl and i I didn't know what to do. My brain was just my brain was overwhelmed with the idea that this happened to me, and yet I couldn't comprehend everything that was going on in that moment. I started second guessing everything. I looked back at our relationship and was like, "Why didn't I notice?" Why didn't I do this? And the worst thing you can do is do what ifs and why didn't I? And that just made it worse. I succumbed to my depression of self-loathing and hatred for not noticing these things. I'm supposed to be smart. I'm supposed to be observant. And yet, I let myself fall into this trap and be used... In a way that made me feel so uncomfortable, so disgusted with myself that I couldn't even look I look in my mirror and smile. I looked in my mirror and I just wanted to throw up. I was just like, all I saw was his hands and all I could see was the reflection in the mirror of him behind me. And it was just so much. Now people will ask... If I reported it, no, I did not. Why I didn't report it? There's no evidence. I've taken enough criminology courses in my life, as it is one of my it is my major, to know that that is hearsay in court. I have I have no evidence. There is no D- there is no DNA because I was not there is no I was not raped. There were no there's no bruises. There's no there's no hand marks. You know, I'm supposed to say, oh, yeah, he threatened me with a knife. He could easily say, no, I didn't threaten her with a knife. What's that going to do? Yeah, of course, they'll take my word a little bit because I'm a female over the over the male perspective. But that's not going to stand up in court. That's not going to do anything. I didn't want to go through the court process and feel humiliated in the court when they told me, no, they can't do anything. No, they can't protect me from him. And I was worried about the repercussions. What if I drug his name through the mud? You know, I said this, he did this, he did this, and now his name is plastered everywhere. He's got more of a reason to hate me, to come after me, to come look for me. And I didn't want that. Plus, in my head, I knew nothing would come of it. There have been instances where... Rapists get no conviction, and there's there's evidence, there's insurmountable about evidence. You've got witnesses, you, witnesses and videos, and it doesn't matter. My most loathed one, I shouldn't say most loathed. I love them all. Is Brock, is Brock Turner the swimmer? You know, they had a video of him, the whole interaction of him raping a girl behind the dumpster, and the only thing his father could say was. It's going to ruin his life. Yes, let him be on the sex offender. You raped this female who was not in her right mind. There's a whole video of it. Everybody knows about it. And you get six months. Six months. And you're out in three months on good behavior. People spend more time in jail for smoking weed. And that's less dangerous than you raping raping a woman. And taking away everything that is good and proper about her mindset and her safety and her vulnerability and throw it in the trash. But yet, that's less of of a crime than smoking weed. No. I wasn't going to put myself through that type of issues. I didn't want anyone, though. I eventually let a couple people in on the situation. They wanted to know what was going on with me, why I was so quiet, why I was so turned into myself, why my hands were always wrapped around my body, I didn't want to be touched, why I was so tense all the time. I let them know. They were angry. no, oh, Honorably so. They were out for blood. It wasn't worth it, He wasn't worth it. But the effects that he had on me will forever be be in my brain. That was the first time I bought a knife. I bought a knife and I had it in my back pocket. I was terrified of being alone. I would have panic attacks. Someone tried to touch me, I would move away and I'd start shaking i couldn't hug I couldn't hug my friends, couldn't joke around with my friends. I just wanted to be left alone, but that wasn't fair to them. But I was stuck in my brain. I was stuck with the nightmares every time I closed my eyes, I felt like I was suffocating, and all I could see was his face over me, all I could see was and feel was the pressure of his hands on my throat and my body yeah, the knife just staring me in the face and then wake up screaming eventually we went and got help we there was a campus meeting and my friend said that him and his girlfriend were going to a group a group therapy meeting for for sexual assault. So we started we started going there. We went there every couple weeks. They gave us a bear and a story about a girl who who had her own issues and how she would write notes and she would put them in the bear's heart and hope that they would be there and that her dreams would always be there and she had a place to go. She would have a place to remember that whenever she was feeling upset. And I still have that bear. The bear is right the bear is on my shelf. And I look at it from time to time and I and I remember the lessons that were taught in that therapy session. How The paralysis that affected me during my trauma was not my fault. How I just stood there, well, more or less, how I laid there and just didn't do anything and let him him touch me and do what he wanted. There was nothing I could do. And accepting the fact that there was only so much I could do in that situation because... I can't change it. I can't change what happened. It's already happened. And sitting here thinking about what if I did this? What if I did this? What if I didn't do this? What if I didn't do this? Why didn't I catch these red flags? I'm not moving forward. I'm going backwards. I'm taking several steps backwards to the fact that I'll never move on. The thing I hated, not only did it affect my relationships, my friends, it affected my relationships with my partners in general. I had a hard time letting my guard down. Even though I liked this person, even though I wanted to be with this person, a part of me was like, what if they do me like he did? What if they turn out to be someone who's completely different than who they present to be? But that's, just, that's a fear that happens every day. There, You will never know a, a person 100% ever. You may know them 90%. You may know them so well that you know them like the back of their hand. But at the same time, there is always going to be something in their mind. Something that is unpredictable. Something that can make them snap and change into something you have never seen or never expected. So you're always a little cautious. The only thing that can change is time. They always say time heals all wounds. Time may not heal your wounds completely. But time makes it easier to deal with them. You are able to process and look back and look at the things that you did sometimes. Look at the mistakes you made. The places that you could have gone better. And those are places and things that you can look at and be like, okay, I can do this in the future. I can do this going forward Which is a different mindset than, why didn't I do that then? Why didn't I do that then? Because you're looking toward the future. You're looking to prevent these things from happening again. You're looking for ways to keep yourself together. Because the only person that's going to keep you safe is you. The only person you're going to realize that's going to look out for you is you. You know They tell us to trust in our justice system, but yet our justice system doesn't really care. They tell you they care. Oh, we care about women's safety. We care about women's vulnerability. And yet, the convictions don't equal out. But even then, the convictions don't take away the trauma. They don't take away the anxiety attacks, the panic attacks. They don't take away the loathing and the self-hatred. Those are things that we can control. Those are things that we can do to better ourselves, to make sure that we're becoming the people we need to be and that this does not deter us from our long-term goals. This does not keep us from becoming who we want to be at the end of our lives. Each obstacle we go through just makes us better. It just shows you how many times you can be knocked down and you just show them how many times you can get back up. Because you don't want to let it defeat you. Because at the end of the day, if it defeats you, you'll be in that mindset forever. And that is not a place you want to be. That is not somewhere that your friends want you to be. Your friends can see that your life is worth it. You are worth so much. And you need to believe that. So in regards to this, your self-care tip of the week is to have an emergency self-care plan. For anyone suffering from anxiety attack or PTSD, from any assaults, any emotional abuse, or any type of trauma that you've experienced in your life, have an emergency plan. Have ways that can counteract your anxiety attacks or something that you know that can bring you out of an episode if it's Sensitivity, you know, you need to touch certain things that make that make they take your brain out of that episode. It makes you more cognizant to the here and now versus the past. And do that. You they have when we used to have spinners, you know. They used to say that oh, these help take anxiety away, you know. And that's something you need to do. Do what you need to do. If you need to walk away from a situation or you need to walk away from a conversation that your friends are talking about because you. You feel that anxiety attacking. You feel that this may be triggering to you. Don't feel ashamed that you need to walk away. Tell them, hey, this is something I can't interact in. This is something that I'm not ready to deal with yet. This is something that could cause harm to me. And at the end of the day, it's all about you. Yes, you can be cognizant of other people's feelings. But if something is detrimental to you, your first instinct is to protect yourself. So you always want to have that emergency plan. If you need to put your headphones in your ears and turn on a happy song that makes you want to dance and makes you forget the world, then do that. Nobody's self-care plan is going to be the same. Everybody has different things that brings them out of their worst times. But just make sure you have that. So that way you're ready for any interaction or any obstacle that can be thrown at you and you have some type of way to deal with that effect. Maya Angelou stated that we can be changed by what happens to us. But it's our decision to be reduced to it. You can't change what happened. But you can change where you go from there. You can change how it affects you. Refuse to submit to the mindset. Refuse to submit to the places that you feel like you deserve. Just because a situation happened to you does not mean you deserved it. It does not mean that this is where your life deserves to be. You do not deserve to be down in the gutter. You still deserve your hopes, your dreams, and the life that you wanted it just may take longer to get there, but there is nothing wrong with taking longer to get there. Everybody has their pace, everybody has the ability to do their best. But no matter how many times you fall on the ground, you have to get back up. That is your destination. That is where you want to be. Then you have to get there. So refuse, dismiss, be better. And in closing, that of course brings us to our song of the week, which is, I mentioned earlier, Praying by Kesha. As a victim of sexual assault and emotional abuse, that song is about finding forgiveness in those and those situations that you didn't think you'd be able to get over. As I said earlier, time heals wounds. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be a year from now. It could be five years from now. But at some point in your life, you will wake up and you realize that whatever that issue was, whatever that situation was, it does not affect you the same way it does when it was fresh in your brain. But it will heal and it will get there. You just got to take your time, follow your pace, and be who you need to be. And then at the end of the day... Remember that you were not in the same spot you were yesterday. You were growing, you were maturing, you were being better. And that in itself will always be progress. And that, again, is the end of another segment here at Hello Depression. It's me again. I thank you for your time today. If you have any questions or anything you would like to say to me, you can always follow me at Hello Depression Podcast. You can also send me email at Hello Depression 2020 at gmail.com. Anchor also, also allows you to send voice, mo- voice messages to me. So if you have any questions, concerns, or any topics you would like to go over, any re- rates or reviews or feedback, you can send them there. I thank you again for your time today and I hope to see you all next week.